Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's Thursday, May 26, 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I'm your host, Ryan Holmes. Welcome to Blazing Rye Radio. Today on the show, we have Bowling for Soup frontman Jarrett Reddick, as well as current Tony nominee for her role in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, Tammy Blanchard. Here we go. into the chat room as guests. Uh, in order to actively engage in the chat, though, uh, please sign in with your uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Blog Talk Radio account, and um, then you can actually ask questions in the chat room for, uh, for Jarrett and for Tammy. And to ask a question on the air, you can go ahead and call in uh, 917-388-4131. That's 917-388-4131. Thank you guys so much for joining us, joining us up today. Uh, you're listening to Blazing Rye Radio. Uh, can't wait to talk to our guests today. Thanks to Block Talk Radio for putting us on the home page. Had an uh, uh, interesting experience today waiting for the subway. Um, I was actually trying to get a new Metro card, and there was a couple in front of us who uh, were, they were tourists, and they were foreign, and they were taking forever uh, at the, the, uh, the, the machine. And so this woman behind me starts... Uh, start screaming uh, at them, and I just thought it was a typical New York moment where kind of New Yorkers come off as jerks, and the, the lady turns around, the uh, tourist, and she was like, you know, you could have been friendlier, and my fellow New Yorker was like, um, was like, it doesn't matter, you're a tourist, you shouldn't be taking up all our time, I have to get to court, and then I, I hear, I, I go down the stairs, I hear screaming and screaming, and then that same woman goes, uh, uh, she turns to the, the tourist behind her and yells out, your husband isn't giving you good orgasms. And that was, uh, that was my morning today. So uh, on behalf of New Yorkers everywhere, um, I apologize to that woman, and I'm sure her husband's orgasms that he gives her are fine. Uh, and I believe we are now joined by our guest. My first guest has shows coming up at Rock and Rodeo in Denton, Texas on June 2nd, June 3rd at the Parish in Austin, and June 4th at the Aardvark in Fort Worth. It's Bowling for Soups. Jared Reddick. How's it going? I like when, uh, I really like when interviews begin with orgasm stories. <laughs> That's my favorite. I, I know. 
don't you? Um, well, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm doing fantastic, actually. I, uh, I'm i actually still a little bit uh, zombie-ish from the – we were just out in the northeast for about – well, Midwest and the northeast for about three weeks, and uh, so I haven't been sleeping a bunch since I got home, just trying to get caught up and, and everything, but uh, I took a little nap, and now I'm feeling good. Awesome. So were you uh, playing shows in the northeast and Midwest? Yeah, we were up. Uh, we yeah, doing shows. Basically, starting the fishing for woos tour. Now we've been home for about three or four days, and then uh, we'll be home for the weekend. And then and then um, we do those shows in Texas, like you mentioned. And then um, we head over to England for the Download Festival shortly after that. So uh, you know, it's not no rest for the wicked, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jared, I'm sure you've been asked this probably a bazillion times, but what does bowling for soup mean? It's not a sexual position, is it? It is not a sexual position. It actually doesn't mean anything. Um, it's it's uh, it's a play on words from a Steve Martin joke. I actually have never been asked this question. It's so weird. Um, Seriously? But, Wait, no, you're kidding. Yeah, I'm totally just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a play on words off of a Steve Martin al- a comedy album where he can we swear on here or no? Yeah, it's the internet, so you can say whatever you want. Okay, so uh, where Steve Martin is working on a new television show called Bowling for Shit. And uh, so we're all stand-up comedy fans, and and uh, so you know it, it. It long story short, it 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 worked its way into becoming Bowling for Soup. Oh, okay. I guess you can't really say the other word regularly on the radio or anything. Correct. Kind of yeah, I mean yet. you can't. You sort of can't put it on flyers or run it in the newspaper. And yeah, there's some issues. There's some issues. <laughs> okay. So. Um, now your your new album came about in kind of an interesting way. You guys had a long term relationship with your your old record label uh, Jive, and you guys released a CD with them. Sorry for partying, and uh, you and Jive parted ways four weeks after the release of that. Um, so tell me what happened uh, what happened with with uh, that album and your current endeavor in, in um, making your new uh, independent label. Yeah, we were on Jive for 10 years and uh, had a really great run and a great relationship and sold a lot of albums together and, and uh, definitely no bad blood. I'm not a label hater. I'm not one of those guys that thinks that, that the man is evil. I think that labels, you know, though shrinkingly, I think they have a place um, and uh, and the good ones will survive because they're adapting to this industry as we as we go. Um but yeah, Jive um, and, and us, we you know we had we spent a lot of time on Sorry for Partying, which was the album before this one, and um, you know really thought that it was you know sort of like the greatest accomplishment that we had to date, and re- and really thought that we had something special. Um, unfortunately, timing was bad, and it came out at a time where it was fourth quarter, and you know cuts were being made, and people were getting fired, and. Um, Jive basically came through and cleaned house. They they dropped nine mid-level bands, and we happened to be one of them. And uh, quite honestly, I mean, they came to us and they were like, "Guys, this is this is tough for us because we love you, and you know, but we just don't have the manpower anymore." And so it was a bummer because um, you know, the, essentially what that means is is that the the record never got promoted. We never really had a single out on the radio. We made a video or two, but. You know, nothing really ever happened with them. So we were pretty bummed, um, and we were in the middle of a six-month tour on an album that really, you know, for better, you know, had been shelved. So, uh, 
you know, we had a break um, over um, May and June that year, that that next year, um, which was last year, and um, so I, you know, got the guys together, and I was like, guys, let's just let's just go in and make another record, and we'll figure out what we're going to do with it after we're done. But if we don't go make it now, it's going to be another year before we're back in the studio. So uh, yeah, last May I locked myself in my studio and I uh, I wrote this this album, and then we recorded it in three weeks in June. And uh, here it is out now and actually getting better reviews critically than any album we've ever released. Um, and, uh, and it's all on our own label now. So uh, it's, it's, we, you know, we're feeling pretty triumphant about the whole thing. Yeah, that's great. Do you think that um, this, your sound is so um, universally liked and, and kind of has a lot of commercial appeal? Do you think that, uh, that your sound... Uh, can work on an indie label. It seems like it is thus far. Um, do, you, do, you, do you are you confident in the new label? I am. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think basically anything can work on an indie label now. I mean, you know, it's it's different. Mm-hmm. I mean, indie doesn't really mean indie anymore. You know, like an indie band. You know, you you start to okay, they're an indie band. I, you sort of think you know what they're going to sound like, but. An indie, yeah. a, a, an independent label doesn't necessarily mean it, it only has indie bands these days. So, um, you know, we're yeah. I mean, I think it's going to work great. In fact, it is working great. I mean, we're we're selling a ton of albums, and um, again, it's you know, the press has been amazing to us. And and you know, and believe me, we have we have been a band that's super easy to hate by by you know critics who who enjoy um, bands who put way too much thought into things. You know, so. Um, we're, uh, we're, you know, it's, it's like we, we're definitely an easy target and always have been, but I think people are just like, you know, these guys have been together 17 years. This is their 11th album. Maybe it's not my thing, but they've obviously found some, something that works and they're doing something right. And, uh, so yeah, it is what it is. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're in a very good place for being, you know, like, like I said, 17 years in and all on our own. We're, uh, we're, we're definitely happy. Good. Happy 17th birthday, by the way. To you Thank man. you. Yeah, that's next weekend. Um, next Saturday, we turn 17. That's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing that you've had such longevity in this in this crazy business. Um, well, Definitely, uh, and I mean, this, you know, this, the, the, the most insane thing is is that we have we, we came in at a time. You know, obviously, the 90s were interesting for us because we were just in a van, just driving around and and just you know playing shows to nobody and and you know, just begging people to let us play and and all that, and we got signed in 1999. And and the interesting thing is, is that you know that was sort of the climax of the industry when when we came in. Um, our Jive had In Sync, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, R. Kelly, and you know, Too Short, and all of these acts that had just completely blown up. Like In Sync set the record for the most CDs ever sold in a week, and and all of that. And we've watched it go from being the highest. You know the craziest time where when you know they would just take us to strip clubs and spend you know thousands and thousands of dollars and we couldn't even afford our rent you know and um you know we've watched it go from that to being something where now you know they don't they don't even have the money to send radio promo people out on the road with you anymore and and you know, of course nobody's buying CDs and you know we've we've watched the whole digital thing start and you know from being piracy to now being something that's that's fairly legitimate and. And uh, you know it's it's been a definitely an interesting interesting ride and and you know something to where we we've had to stay on our toes and just and keep with it. 
was there a, while we're talking about that, was there a reason that Jive didn't release a, a single prior to your uh, last album with them? Like, I know in most cases it seems that there's a sort of a promotional single or something to promote the album so people buy the full record. Do you know why that didn't happen? Uh, with yeah, I do. Party? Yeah, again, it was it was timing. It was very very interesting because they uh, we released my Wiener in the summer of that year of that year, and we did a video for it and everything. But it was just sort of like what they what what they were doing was trying to force a viral hit, you know, which you and I know, obviously being you know internet savvy, you can't force it. The, the things that that become viral on the internet are are, are it's crazy because. You see something and you're like, man, why haven't 70 million people watched this? This is amazing. And then you watch, you know, someone sitting on the toilet, and you know, 23 million people have watched it that day, you know. And uh, so it's you can't force it. Um, and that's what they tried to do. And you know, whatever, you know, you play the game. It's like, hey, we get to go make a video, and you're going to put it out on the internet. Okay, we'll play ball here, you know. Um, yeah. But so. Again, the timing was is that we were supposed to release the single just after the first of the year um, last year. So, so we got dropped in December. The single was supposed to go to radio in like January twentieth. So, um, you know, again, it was all uh, it was all just bad timing, and and you know, for their again, it's all business from their standpoint. I mean, I it it, it is what it is. Look, if you if you're not making money and you need to make some cuts, you need to make some cuts. It's like doesn't do anybody any good if if the mothership is is running out of gas, you know. Right. How about However, that analogy? No that, that analogy right there was the shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one. <laughs> I was gonna say, however, with your toilet analogy, you're you're no stranger to sitting on a on a toilet on film, though. Oh no, I'll sit on a toilet on film. Yeah, I, I, I'll do anything. You know, if people know that. If you've ever watched BowlingForSoup.tv, you know we'll pretty much do whatever. <laughs> awesome. Um, we have a question from Twitter for you. Uh, this is from Bijou, I believe in the Netherlands. Is is here is your freaking song about your wife, and if so, did she make you sleep on the couch after hearing it? <laughs> that is not about my wife. I do have songs about my wife, but that one is not. That one is uh, basically about every ex-girlfriend, you know, that I've that my, myself and and my friend Linus have ever had. We wrote that song, actually, in the studio, finishing another song. We we kind of went into the front room. We're just like, dude, this is such a good idea. We can write this in ten minutes, and we did. And um, it was uh, it's just basically about how you know when you're a musician, you're, if you're with a girl, she's always like. Hey, when are you gonna write me a song? When are you gonna write me a song? And a lot of times you're like, you know, I don't think you want to hear the words that I have to say about you. You know, like, I mean, maybe that's not such a good idea. You know, and uh, that? So that, what's that? Do you say that to the girls when they ask you that? Do you say you don't want to hear what I have to say about you? Oh no, you just say you say, well, I'm really uncomfortable putting my real feelings out there. All of my songs are fake. You know, and, and it sounds and, sweet. Yeah. Right, totally. It's like, you know, you can you can mask it behind anything and it's like uh, you know, but I mean that that's that's the way it worked for me anyway. I'm not sure how Linus got past that in the past, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same story. Um so this uh this new album uh Fishing for Woos, what does the title mean? Uh Fishing for Woos is something that happens during shows where uh a lot of times uh, you are fishing for woos. So if you if you go out on stage and you say, you know, are you guys ready to rock? Then the audience goes, woo, you know. 
But sometimes mm-hmm. you're not fishing for woos, and you're just like, you know what I had today? Lasagna. And the, and the audience is like, woo, and you're like, thank you for those. I wasn't fishing for them, but I appreciate any woos that I get. Um, you know, you can't, you can't turn away woos. They're like BJ's. <laughs> so do you think that n- now that uh, you're on an indie label, you're, you're, you'll be fishing for woos more, or, or will, will the woos remain the same? I would think that the woos would remain the same. I mean, it's it's our label, so it's you know it's like, yeah. you know, it's the same amount of fishing. I believe. I mean, I don't know. I wish I could go fi- like actual fishing more, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Is that a hobby of yours? Uh, no, I just like to drink beer, and uh, that's that's all you do when you fish. Is you just you throw. That sometimes you don't even put a line in the water. You just, you know, most of the time when we go fishing and bowling for soup, we don't even care if we have bait. It's just like okay. We're going to go sit on a rock and drink beer and pretend to be doing something functionally awesome. So, so far we've learned about you that you uh, can never turn away a, a beast, eh? Or That's a actually not true about me. That, that, was a, that was an easy joke, but uh, of course I can turn away a BJ, just not from, uh, not from the love of my life who lives under my roof. Sure, sure. Um, and we've learned that you, uh, you like to drink beer. Yeah, I can actually t- I can actually tell you a story about me uh, turning away a BJ that actually happened quite long ago, um, oh, yes. and uh, I believe actually before I was a married man, uh, we were playing on our first tour of the UK, and um, we we're up, up is kind of it was back in the day, so like you know nobody really even knew who we were, so we'd just sort of stand around before the show and do what we want to do, and just you know nobody nobody really even come up to us and talk to us and. So we were we were actually playing English pool, trying to figure out why the holes were so small and the balls were all the same colors. And um, this like 13 or 14 year old group of girls walks up, and they're like, "Are you in bowling for soup?" And and I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "Was well, this the rest of the band?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's the rest of the band right there." And she goes, "Do you want me to take you around back and give you a blowjob?" And and I was like. What are you, you're like 14 years old. No, no, I don't. But when we come back in like three years, yes. You mean when she's 17, it's fine. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, that's legal over there. I think they're, they're I think they're legal like like 15. It's it's a, it's an insane yeah. place. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It sounds so proper and formal though, the way in her accent though. I know I'm trying not to do Dick Van Dyke because that's usually my uh, my English accent. I've, I've, we've been over there 27 times and I still can't imitate them quite as quite as quite well. Yeah, you've been over there a bunch of times just in the last decade, right? Just since 2000. Yeah, I mean that was when we went the first time. So I mean, if you do the math, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we used to go like four times a year, and then there was a few times where we went once. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think 27 or 28 times that we've been that we've been to the UK from here. So. Um, that's a lot of airline miles. Yeah, man. Um, I'm sure those add up. Are you? Uh, so this this new record, um, Fishing for Woos, is there a is there a concept behind it? I read that it's kind of your response to uh, not being on a this major label anymore. Is that the case, or is there some sort of concept behind the album? Definitely not. No. I mean, and and again, man, I I, I want to make that clear, and I continually try to do that. 
I've never bashed mm-hmm. Jive or, you know, and, and again, I mean, I, not that they've, they've asked me to or not that I really give a shit what they think, but I just don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't, I, I mean, that's, that's the last thing I want to be. It's just like, you know what? Hey, the past is the past. We had a really good run. I'm moving on. So, no, I would in, in no way write, you know, um, an entire album bashing them. I mean, there are definitely certain people at that place that are evil, but uh, for the most part, they're all lovely and, and uh, but no, man, it's just a, an, an album that's a collection of of songs that, uh, you know, a few of them I had sort of written, um, you know, in the in the weeks prior to you know really digging in, and I you know I, they weren't really written as Bowling for Soup songs, and I sort of went in, I was like, you know, there's some cool stuff here, I'll dig this out, and then, um, you know, for the most part though, it was uh, it was just I just wrote a record and. And um, you know, pretty proud of it actually. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think the thing that I was scared the most of was, you know, putting a time limit on everything. Where it's like, okay, here's how long I have to write. Here's how long we have to record, and this is the album. And uh, you know, for me, I was like, man, I just hope it doesn't come out like, oh wow, they they got dropped from their label, so they went and shit something else out for us to buy. You know, and. Um, <laughs> Luckily for me, along the way, everybody was like, dude, this is fucking amazing, and, you know, you shouldn't feel like that, and, you know, yada, 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 and, and again, so as as the reviews started to come in and the fans started to react to it or whatever, I was kind of like, Whew, you know, I, it, you know I, I did something great, we did something great, and, um, and uh, you know, pretty proud of ourselves. Yeah, are, are you that type of songwriter that you you can kind of force yourself to, to sit down and write something really good, uh, or does it kind of, are you more used to it, like the song's kind of coming to you? What's your usual uh, process? I'll, I'll give you a good description of how I am. I'm a good student. In other words, like when it's time for me to sit down and write, I can sit down and write. I, I'm not good at just like, it's it's actually something that I'm working on, because obviously I, I write for a lot of other bands, and I write for a lot of film and TV and stuff like that, but you know, I get asked all the time, hey, do you have anything just laying around that's this? And I'm like, no, but do you have something that you want me to write for? Because I'll have it to you in 45 minutes. You know, it's like I need to get better at that whole thing of just like sitting down for a few hours every day and coming up with something. But, uh, you know, for me, it's either I've got to be sort of have some some sort of a goal or some sort of, um, you know, something that a deadline or whatever um, to get me to get me going. So and I can't ride on the road either. Um, I do ideas and stuff on the road. You know, I wrote Drunk Enough to Dance on the road um, <clears throat> because we were still in a in the van, and um, you know, you had long, long days of driving and stuff. So I would just sit back in the very back seat. And there were only five of us on the road, so like everybody had their own bench, and I would sit back in the back seat with headphones on and just, you know, I wrote the whole record basically back back there but since then you know we got on a bus after that record and now there's just too much other shit going on around you it's impossible to find a place to to focus so i have to set aside time for myself to when it's time to get into bowling for soup land to to really dig in cool we have a question jared out of the uh chat room um jared says val kilmer sucks as batman this is from naomi bulger is this really his opinion and that's a very very Naomi, that is an insanely good question, and this is the God's honest truth. I don't. I haven't even. I haven't watched a Batman movie since Michael Keaton. I have no idea whether or not I think he sucks as Batman or not. I just know that everybody else thought that he did, and I. I mean, I'm like a. 
a big Val Kilmer fan. Obviously, you know, like I do think that um, that some of his movies are really, really funny, and that he was amazing in Tombstone and and all that. So and uh, and Heat. Um, so no, I don't really personally think that he sucked as Batman, but I'm pretty sure that judging from what everybody around me says, that if I if I was a Batman fan and had seen all of the Batman films, I would probably think he sucked as Batman. Um, I've I have seen them all aside from the Batman and Robin one. Um, but uh, I can assure you, you were correct in your assessment. Right there, you go. So I did it. Okay, so uh, Jared, I, I was going to move on to this anyway. We actually have a question uh, in the chat room about it. This is from um, Stephanie's little brother. Did you enjoy working with Disney on Phineas and Ferb? Hi, Stephanie's little brother. And uh, I, you know what? I still work with Disney on Phineas and Ferb. Um, I play a reoccurring character. The, his name's Danny, and he sings for the fictional band Love Handle. So I appear a couple of times a season, and and uh, there'll be a big love handle episode coming out next season with where I'm like in like ten singing ten songs. But um, man, it was great. I started out my relationship started with them, them wanting us to do the theme song, and me take the theme song and make it into a a radio single. So I took their thirty seconds and and made it into three and a half minutes. And um, so when you hear the today is going to be a great day on the radio or whatever, that I wrote that and. Uh, and since then, they, they have me in every time I'm in L.A., and I write some songs with them. So if you watched uh, Summer Belongs to You last summer, I wrote Bouncing Around the World and uh, wrote a couple of more songs, and including the uh, climactic fight scene in the upcoming movie that's coming out, uh, I believe, this summer, actually. So uh, we're we're getting there. That's awesome. So you're uh, – and you guys were actually – uh, animated into characters for for an episode. How how gratifying was it to see little, little well more than one right? How gratifying was it to see little cartoon versions of you? Well, it was really funny actually because I was in the I was there writing a writing another song. Actually, we wrote a song called Izzy's Got the Frizzies one day, and um, <laughs> I, uh, I I he was like, Hey, do you want to see the, the Dan Povenmire's the creator of the show as well as Swampy Marsh? There's it's, those are the two main dudes. And the guys that I've I've become friendly with and and whom I work with all the time, and they uh, he was like, hey, do you want to see you guys animated? And I'm like, yeah, I want to see us animated. And he goes, hey, I have to warn you. I mean, this is 20 years in the future, so you know, uh, aside from making you guys look a little older, we made you, you the rest of the band a little fatter and Chris a little skinnier. So like we're all the same size. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate the fact that in cartoon form now, forever, I will be a 60-year-old fat guy. Great. <laughs> okay, so was that – were you okay with that, or was it gratifying? Oh, yeah, totally. No, I mean, dude, how do you – I mean, gosh, it's the number one cartoon in the world, and there you are, and Phineas is like, Bowling for Soup, way before their time. I mean, how do you – I mean, that, that's, you know, that's up there with – the 30 greatest accomplishments of our band and and you know that it's just it's just crazy i mean we've had such a such a blessed career and and it just continue you know we we just continue to get to do really cool stuff so yeah it was it was definitely definitely gratifying my uh my daughter asked me yesterday my i'm sorry but my daughter she's going going to bed she's eight and uh she was going to bed and uh she said uh hey uh Dad, um, do you, you you don't just play yourself in Phineas and Ferb. You play Danny, the lead singer of Love Handle. And I go, 
yeah, you already know that. Like, why are, what, are you just trying to keep me in here so you don't have to go to sleep? Is that what you're doing? She goes, no, I just needed to clarify that for some kids on the bus. Good night, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's good she's keeping tabs on you. Totally, yeah, man. She's got it down. So what would you say your number – you mentioned it's one of your top 30 accomplishments as a band. What would you say your number one is? Man, I, you know what? I, I have gotten asked that a bunch, and it would be impossible for me to say because, you know, for us and, – and, you know, I get asked, like, why we're so normal all the time, and you know, it, but, and I do really mean this. The little stuff matters just as much as the big stuff, you know? I mean – Still going into a town, and and though this doesn't really happen anymore because you know we're not in the van and you know listening to the radio station or whatever going into town, but you know still anytime you hear yourself on the radio, it's just like man, that is just the coolest thing, you know. I mean, I'm on the freaking radio for Christ's sake, and um, you know, I mean, but gosh, we've toured China twice, and you know we've been to Japan multiple, multiple times, and Australia, and all through Europe, and. Now there's talk of us going to Russia, and you know, I mean, it's just, gosh, it's just, it's just impossible. I mean, we got nominated for a Grammy. Phineas and Ferb was nominated for an Emmy. Just the other day, um, our, uh, our T-shirt, our t- thank you, our T-shirt for the Download Festival um, came out, and it's kind of an Iron Maiden spoof, and Iron Maiden actually approved it, so now we're Iron Maiden approved. So we're Grammy nominated, <laughs> Emmy nominated, and Iron Maiden approved. I mean, dude, come on. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of the Download Fest, uh, Rob McGuire in the chat room says, are you doing anything in England apart from Download Fest? We'll be back. Um, well, no, we're playing two shows at Download. We're doing an acoustic on Saturday and a full band on Sunday. And then um, we're actually over in Asia in July doing shows for the Navy, um, and we'll be over there for a while. And then um, back in the U.S. touring, and then our headlining tour will be in October. So trying to finish up support for that, but I think we're actually going to announce the dates for our October tour at Download Festival, so um, we'll just stay tuned there, buddy. Awesome, yeah, keeping your out for that. Um, and uh, now, Jared, a little birdie told me that you were in the movie Crossroads with Britney Spears. How how in the hay did that come about? Well, we were on the same label, and um, our... Uh, the, at that time, again, you know, this was really early on, and Jive was just so huge. They were actually an independent label. I mean, when we signed with Jive, it was one guy owned the whole thing, and they here they were like the number one label in the country, and as one dude. And um, so they had all these crazy departments, and one of them was like a whole movie production department, which is why Britney even got to do a movie. And um, so, you know, they needed a band for the prom, and it was like, what's a band that can sort of adapt to any situation? And uh, and uh, so they, they cast us, but I think everybody got cut but me. I'm in it, but uh, and you get sort of a glimpse of Eric's shirt, but uh, for the most part, everybody else got cut from the movie. And uh, so it's sad. Cutting room floor is a lonely place. <laughs> Do you – um? Do you think that your old label mate from Jive, R. Kelly, was also propositioned by the same girl in, in London, and that's why his problems arose? Um, well, I'm not sure. I doubt it because I doubt he was playing pool in that small of a place. But um, I don't know. Maybe she went and sought him out elsewhere. You never know. But uh, I think his problems began long before that girl tried to tried to give me a BJ. But I will say this about R. Kelly. He's a freaking genius because – I can't stop watching 
his freaking videos on the internet. I mean, that's it's that's all we do. Like my my BFF outside of Bowling for Soup, Linus. That is all we do is watch R. Kelly videos. That's it. I mean, it's just it's just the greatest thing ever. Are you talking about his uh, like re- regular popular radio songs? You're talking about Trapped in the Closet. No, I'm talking about Trapped in the Closet is great, but what's the one uh, the the best one ever? And this will show you the genius. If the listener is listening right now, just go Google R. Kelly Real Talk and watch that video. <laughs> and if you still don't think that he's the most genius guy in music, then something is wrong with you because that <laughs> is the most genius thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, I am so glad that you're saying all this because there's always a lot of hateration and holleration in this dancery about Mr. Kel, but uh, he's one of my favorites in the uh, – the real talk, my favorite part is that, Milton! Milton! Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if that's my favorite part. i got to say, I think the, uh, the, <laughs> bitch, didn't I just give you money to go get your hair and nails done? <laughs> bitch, you were smiling then. What's <laughs> <laughs> Dude, see, what? don't you want to watch it right now? That's the genius. It's like when I show it to people who like aren't music people, you know, and they're just like, okay, it, this isn't real. And I'm like, it doesn't really – of course it's not real. It doesn't matter that it's real. The genius is is that he's just to- – I, I, he's either fucking with everybody or he means this. Either way, it's genius. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree. Uh, getting back to your um, uh, album, Fishing for Woos, a kind of cool thing happened with it. The the song Guard My Heart, which has been a fan favorite since 1997, there's actually a studio version of that now? Yeah, I mean, um, that song's interesting because it, it was kind of a friend of a friend was had a movie that he made in film school down in Austin. And, you know, the Sundance Film Festival was getting to be a really big deal in uh, in the late 90s and and he was like uh, a friend this friend came he's like hey man my friend's making this movie um do you guys have a song that might go with sort of this vibe it's like a bunch of friends who are indian leg wrestling or whatever and uh so you know i was like no i mean like at that point like all of our songs were just four chord punk rock songs i mean it was it was you know bare bones minimum and we were basically the you know, it was it, it. We just didn't have anything. And um, Eric said, "Well, I've got this song that this other band has been doing, or whatever, called Guard My Heart, or whatever." Actually, I think it was Chris that said, "He goes, what about that song that that the uh, that this band next door has been doing that Eric wrote?" I'm just like, "Well, I haven't heard it, but okay, yeah, we got a song." So uh, we went to the studio, and and um, you know, I sort of took what Eric had and made it more of more bowling for Soupy. And uh, we went in and recorded it, and he put it in the movie, and that was kind of it, you know. And then as the internet got to be a bigger deal, you know, fans just started passing it around and passing it around, and it became a huge fan favorite. I mean, to where, like, we would be all the way across the world, and people would be holding up signs that said, Guard My Heart, which is just interesting because we had never performed the song live at all. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, album 11, we're on our own. And uh, so why not, you know, why not do something cool for the fans, the hardcore fans who have been with us for so long, and, and we did a real version of that song. So, um, you know, yeah, that's it, uh, – I'm and very happy with the way that it came out. Yeah, man. 
Um, do you? Uh, uh, we have a question, Abby, from Abby in the chat room. She says, uh, serious question for you. Do you do all of your Twitter slash Facebook stuff yourself, or do you have someone else do it for you? Um, I do all of my all of my personal Twitter and my personal fan page Facebook myself. Uh, I do most of the Bowling for Soup Twitter, but there are, is some people at our management who will do some things every once in a while, just like go buy the album or this and this and this. But if it's like a, you know, just a random thing, you can tell when it's me. I think actually, I mean, when it sounds like me, it's me, you know. But uh, but yeah, all all of my Twitter is me, and my personal Facebook is me, and. Uh, you know, there you go. Awesome. Um, so, Jared, we actually coming up next. We have a uh, Tony nominee uh, currently acting with Daniel Radcliffe in uh, How to Succeed, Tammy Blanchard. Uh, would you have any questions for the current 2011 Tony nominee? Um, no, I don't. I, I would just like to say congratulations. And uh, you know, I was I was supposed to be an actor before I was going to be a musician, and I uh, I was oh. I had a scholarship to go to. Uh, to college on an acting scholarship, and my dad was really excited about it, and then I sort of came in. I was like, you know, what am I going to do if I get a degree in acting? You know, what, act? You know, like what's what am I supposed to do with that? And uh, so I went, to, I went to business school instead and then uh, got my degree in marketing and psychology and then ended up going into to rock music. So I don't know. I'm completely backwards. But anyway, please congratulate the, the Tony nominee for me, please. <laughs> Will do. Um, that's that's funny. I, I did get my degree in acting, and here I am hosting a radio show on the See? internet. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh huh. Um, okay. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, you know what? I had a feeling this would happen. Okay, Jarrett, you're so personable that uh, uh, we were supposed to play this game with uh, the next guest, but I think we need to play it with you as well. We're gonna play a game we play on the show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess where I give you a list of things. You tell me if they're hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let us let us open it up. Here we go. Okay, first up on hot or hot mess, uh, Justin Bieber, hot or hot mess? Uh, hot. Hot. I have to say, am I supposed to give an explanation, or is it just like rapid fire? That's totally up to you. Uh, explanations are preferable, yes. I got to say hot just because I live in the suburbs, and every single kid in this freaking suburb is crazy over him, whether like wh- whether we all get it or not. Like, the guy is freaking hot, so, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh, Blink-182, hot or hot mess? Uh, I'm going to go with hot again. I mean, I think if you're going to break up and do a comeback, and, and I think they're going about it the right way and keeping us all posted along the way. You know, I'm, I mean, I, I've, I've never really been a huge Blink-182 fan. I only know all of their, their hits or whatever, but I think that's because we sort of came up at the same time, you know, and uh, it just I, it just wasn't, wasn't something I ever got into. But, again, I, I think they're an amazing band, and they're really, really super nice guys, and so I, I hope that uh, that it blows up again for them. Cool, man. How about uh, R. Kelly, Hot or Hot Mess? Uh, I got to go with hot, hot Mess on that, but only because uh, I think <laughs> – I'm not really sure how much of it is fake and how much of it isn't, but uh, it's just the whole PP thing, you know? I mean, I, that's, that's, that's a problem. It's a problem. I hear you. 
And uh, last up on Hot or Hot Mess, Panic at the Disco, Hot or Hot Mess. Uh, hot Mess, again, I don't really know what's going on with those guys, but I do know that, like, if you break up more than twice, uh, it might be time to, to think about doing something else. Maybe write a book. Um, maybe ride a bike. Um, uh-huh. You know, something else. But uh, but what a great first album, right? You know, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, great new album, too. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it is just half of them now. It is just half of them. Um, but... Jarrett, I can't thank you enough for doing it, man. You got shows coming up uh, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Texas. And uh, you rock, man. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Hey, well, thank you so much. Everybody go to BowlingForSoup.com and check out everything that there is about Bowling for Soup. And if you want to watch some funny stuff, go to BowlingForSoup.tv. And thank you very much for having me. Follow me on Twitter, J-A-R-E-T-2113. Awesome. Thanks so much, sir. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, and now, uh, joined by, uh, 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 you know, my friend Jason Selvig, he uh, always, uh, he'll proposition me before shows and ask if, if you have a couple minutes here or there, can I come on and, and, and do something for you? And I, I prefer when he doesn't, but, uh, um, you know, unfortunately we do have some time now. So, uh, uh, Jason, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you? What the fuck are you talking about? I never ever asked to come on to this show. You always ask me to come on to this show. You're making me look really bad. I have an image. <laughs> Your image is already. I mean, last time you were on the show, you you talked about uh, Kickstarter to marry Avril Lavigne. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. How'd that so interview you called, go? Um, it was it was my best ever. Uh, was it? Jason, I only called, heard the like the last called, like two minutes of it. And I, 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 I couldn't um, tell, honestly. What did you guys talk about? So, oh, my God. So you called Harold camping, right? What, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, What was your uh, – why did you want to call this guy? Well, he said that the world was going to end on Saturday, May 21st, and it didn't. And I had a feeling that mm-hmm. was going to happen, so I had some important questions. I think it's a question that everyone had on their mind, but uh, I was right. able to get through to him. And I uh, – actually, I don't know if legally any of it's legal, so it might not have been me that did this. Okay. But so someone called him. The... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do that. Someone called him. Please oh, play it. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's play, play it. <laughs> All right. Starting up. Hello? Hi, I'm looking for Harold. Hello. Hi, I'm looking for Harold. Uh, this is Harold Camping. Who is this? Is this the Harold Camping? Yeah, hang on just a minute. I, I'm hard of hearing. I'm going to have my wife uh, interpret. Okay. What is your question? Is this Harold Camping from Family Radio? Yeah. Um, I just had a question about um, what's happening on uh, Saturday. What time do you think it's going to start? As near as we can tell, we can't say this absolutely. We know absolutely it will happen on May 21. 
Eastern Standard Time or Pacific? No, it's in any country where it's May 21 on the calendar and it's 6 p.m. Standard Time in that country or that nation, that is when they can expect a huge earthquake. If we've got the time of the day right now, uh, we don't know that about that as solidly as we do know it will happen on May 21 anywhere in the world. So 6 p.m. any time zone. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, now, since it is going to be Judgment Day, um, do you think you could give me a post-dated check with um, just for the rest of the money that you have? Um, just because it's not going to matter anyway. And that way, if we do see it through, maybe I could have a little bit of money. Okay, I was just wondering because I, I, I hello, uh, <laughs> hello. All right, all right, Jason, uh, we got to go. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for coming on. Uh, I hope you were satisfied with his answer. I was. Thank you so much for having me. I will. I'm going to call back next week. Okay, great. Bye. And we are now joined by Tony nominee for How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Tony Blanchard. Technology, it's crazy, huh? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good. Um, so uh, just you can see, uh, Tammy for anyone listening and how to succeed in business at the Al Hurstfield Theater on Broadway. For tickets, call two one two two three nine sixty two hundred or go to telecharge.com. Um, now, Tammy, take me through uh, when you found out you were nominated for a Tony. Oh, I was home with my little girl. I have a three-year-old and um, sleeping in bed. I did not expect it at all. The competition was really stiff. So um, my phone, my cell phone started ringing, and I just figured it would be, you know, people say, and you'll get them next time. And um, then my house phone started ringing, and I knew something was up. <laughs> so I, I, I started shaking and crying with just, disbelief and of course clasping my hands and thanking God and 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 just so appreciative to all of those who, who nominated me. It's just incredible. Hey, I didn't know that house no phones one... <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You didn't know the house phones still rang? <laughs> I I didn't know that they rang anymore, yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't think that was incredible. even a function of them. <laughs> And you know what's so crazy? Oh, my gosh, I was at the dentist this morning, and someone almost flipped out because they thought they lost their phone. It's like people need to go back to the old-fashioned days and make sure you have a damn phone book. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And didn't you tell your daughter that um, you would uh, bring her to a toy store or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we went to Toys R Us that day. 
I forgot what she got. It, it was so every it just feels so long ago already. But um, yeah, we went out for some pancakes and then we went to Toys R Us <laughs> because she oh, asked nice. me. I I was crying and and she was like, "Why are you crying?" I said, "Well, mommy got nominated for a Tony, honey." And she's like, "What's a Tony?" I was like, "Well, it just means we'll be able to go to Toys R Us." <laughs> <laughs> because what it, it's so silly, but really what it does as for an actress, it just gets your name out there. Like here, I'm talking to you, and and you know, people start to ask, well, who is she? And you just get some recognition, and it just helps you create a name for yourself, so people will be more willing to hire you in the future. It's a big deal. Winning isn't as much of a big deal, but getting that initial recognition is. Yeah, have you found that you've gotten uh, more uh, offers and requests of you since the nominations were announced, or do people kind of know that you're you're very busy right now and wouldn't be able to do their projects yet? Well, it's already looking really good. I mean, there are some things that have come in, and now it's just a matter of trying to work out the schedule with the show. Mm-hmm. So. And it's more, when you're Tony nominated, I mean, you're more able to say, look, look at my resume. <laughs> Just the, the audition process is like you're set up to fail. It's almost right. now I feel like there's a pretty good body of work to say you either have faith in me or you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who are you uh, bringing as a date to the Tonys? Oh, my mom, of course. My pride and joy, one of them, my mother and my daughter. Uh, uh, my mom has been a champion for, for me for day one. She used to beg, borrow, and steal for $20 just to get me over to the city for an audition. So she is totally my hero, and she she's just going to have a ball. That's so sweet. Did you ever uh, did you ever see the production before this one with uh, Sarah Jessica and Matthew Broderick? I saw certain clips of it on YouTube as I've been working on the show I've let myself see other stuff um, and mm-hmm. it was good I mean it's ours is totally different we have a, a younger um, lead our Daniel Radcliffe is just incredibly talented and charismatic and so centered in his work and he almost creates he allows us to create this madness around him because he is so centered and He's really, really talented, and um, so I think there's a level of um, innocence that he brings to the character that I've never seen before, and um, and because of that innocence, it really all the other characters are so, so big and crazy. We're all crazy. you got to come see the show. <laughs> <laughs> we will make you laugh. We will remind you of your mother or your crazy grandfather or your, you know, your business partner. I mean... There's someone for everyone to relate to, and the mm-hmm. jokes are still hitting hard because it's that whole thing like buy a book and try to make a million dollars off of some secret in some book, <laughs> and that's right. what people are still doing today. So it's really, <laughs> a, you know, a window washer becomes a head of a corporation within months. How do you do that? I mean, everyone wants mm-hmm. that. It's the American dream. And for Hetty, my character, it's like she's just this uneducated you know, female bombshell who's just trying to make it any way she can and then probably has always been um, chased after by these older men and rich men. And so it's the only thing she knows. But she's got a heart of gold, and she's 
so she's so funny because she's so raw and she's so honest. Yeah. And these women, like all over. Um, well, speaking of the, the crazy characters and the silliness, uh, I've looked at a couple of your recent roles that seemed pretty grim characters to play. And uh, I mean, you played a widow of a murderer in Amish Grace, uh, and also a woman with breast cancer and living proof. So, is it refreshing to do something like this? It is. It really is to learn it. Even at first, to get out of the whole dramatic mindset as an actress and, and jump into comedy. It was really, really fun. I, I realized that I didn't have to go to work and carry the heavy emotions of my past with me. I could just come and enjoy the dancing and the, the jokes. And John Larroquette is so funny. So it's just, it was really one of the best experiences as an actress. It's much better than doing drama. Drama is very, very difficult. And for me, but now I'm try, I'm finding that even with comedy, there it's a little scary too because on certain nights when the audience just isn't getting you, which is rare, thank God, it's rare. But on those nights, it's like you're going for that joke, and when you don't get that laugh, it is a little bit, you know, dramatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But overall, it's been really fun. It's been really fun because. I just, all my life, I grew up with these women who had dramatic lives and dramatic things happened to them, hence my dramatic career was is really successful. And But now, but they always made me laugh. My aunts and my mom, they were just like these crazy Jersey women who will get like shot in the back and come up with some kind of joke about it like two weeks later. So there was always that sense of humor in my family growing up, and I'm I'm touching on it now, and I'm really enjoying that part of my whole being on stage right now. Yeah, and you do take I a lot of so uh, much, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but you do take a lot of pride in where you, where you come from and your upbringing, right? In this uh, the town that you're from in New Jersey. I do, man. I'm so proud of the people that raised me and the people that have have took an interest to me in this town, the small city I live in Bayonne. I mean, it's just so special. There's so many special people here who started. My mother started in Jersey City, New Jersey. She had 13 brothers and sisters. She was a child of 14. So you can imagine how broke. I mean, they were, they were, she was putting babies, uh, the kids' jackets over the children to keep them warm at night. And then the kids would go to school and they'd smell like pee because the babies, like, it's just these crazy. I mean, this is true. Raw. Isn't it so crazy? And they would like literally when you hear people say we wore our shoes out. I mean, they really, really had no soles soles on the bottom of them. I mean, they were pretending they had soles on the bottom of their. That's how poor they were, and that's where my mom comes from. And she mm-hmm. made a life for us. You know, she struggled, and she started her own cleaning service at one point and was very successful. So I'm so proud of of the life that that I've had with these really, really special people. Right. Incredible people. Um, That's fantastic. Uh, Okay, so Tammy, I'm going (laughs) to ask this. Uh, What is it like seducing Daniel Radcliffe? To kiss him? Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. I didn't even realize how special this was until just the other day when I was on stage and, and a little girl was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so he's such a 
sweetheart. I, I love kissing Daniel Radcliffe. He's very, very young, so I feel like I'm I'm being a bit of a cougar out there when I'm chasing him around. <laughs> but that's okay. This mm-hmm. is what we do these days. Um, but he's very sweet. He's a very sweet man, and he's such a gentleman. So it's, it's really great. I, I wish everyone could kiss him like I get to kiss him. <laughs> I actually heard that you requested the blocking to be changed so that there's a point where you're sitting on his lap. True or false? Oh, my gosh. Who told you that? <laughs> who told you that? Well, a little birdie that, told me that. Oh, my God. That you would never think. Yeah, because I felt I just wanted to make it easier for him because – you know, I I just he has to jump up on me then and there, and I thought maybe I would make it easier for him if I had to actually climb up on that couch. But someone must have known that my dress was going to be like skin tight. I can't even move in that thing. But um, yeah, I did. I I always try to look for ways to make things easier for my leads. I mean, I'm supporting, and I love supporting people, so I'm always trying to make it easier. And and yeah, I did request that. That's so funny. That Wait like a minute. We, we we totally made that question up. It's actually true. You actually. <laughs> You're joking. Come on. You are totally no, no. joking. Oh wait. All no, right. That's, yes. that's crazy. No, wow. So you really did so request weird. a scene like that. I request. No. Wait a second. This. Oh, you are so. This is crazy. All right. The scene where I go on the couch and he. He, I try to pull him on top of me. I said maybe I should just get on top of him instead of him. To, oh, right. get it. Yeah, yeah. Jokes on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, have you, Tammy? Have you yet asked Mr. Ratcliffe to teach you how to cast a spell on the people voting for the Tony so that you can win? Um, no, I have not. Look, winning does not matter. I've lost before. You know, I've been to plenty of award shows, and, and I've gotten my picture taken, and I went home a loser. No big deal. The thing that really, really matters is how you lose. And trust me, I will look good, and I will lose gracefully. <laughs> my mother is, like, cringing right now. She's like, no, baby, you're not going to lose. You're going to win. People, Some people say, well, some people say, well, who knows? Whatever it is, you know, it's definitely going to be a tough battle. And I'm proud enough of that because Hedy LaRue has never been nominated. And now I've just paved right. the way for some really great, young, beautiful girls to play her in the future. And I'm really, really proud of that. Oh, yeah, that's that's amazing. So D- Daniel Radcliffe, he, didn't, he wasn't able to teach you any sort of killing Kurt or uh, Kurt or Petronius <laughs> charm then? Oh, my gosh. I love him so much. Is, are these the questions that he faces all the time? <laughs> Um, He's okay. magical. Uh, I can just imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay, so, Tammy, you're the first uh, person nominated for this role. What do you think you're doing with the character that's so special and so different that uh, other actors have not been nominated in the past? I think that I'm making her more of a broad, and and I, I'm playing that she plays dumb. She's not actually dumb. She's just playing dumb. She's smart streetwise. And she knows people, and she knows what's going on around her, whereas before I think people went straight dumb blonde. And it's like that movie, Thunder, what's that movie that um, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Jr., when he said, um, uh, never go full retard? 
think in this day and age, never go full dumb blonde. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So, I so it's sort of more humanity? Yeah, she's she's real. She's she's very she's got all different things within her. It's not just one set way. She's very complex. Yeah. She knows uh, how to turn on okay. sex when she needs to. Right, right. And you actually so you got the Tonys coming up, and you've actually walked down many a red carpet before. Are you going out in a stylist Versace, or are you keeping it real with a little Banana Republic gear? I got. I think I'm gonna. I really would like to go Valentino. You know, I don't know if it's oh, gonna yeah. happen. I have this great stylist, DJ Pasquale, who is gonna pick out some stuff for me, and and then I go and I try everything on and I see what I like. But I keep going back to Valentino. There was a um, book on my my best friend Patrick Ferrari. He's a a, a hairstylist at um, Garen Salon here in New York, and he had this book on his table and it was Valentino stuff and uh, it just looks so dramatic and beautiful. I hope it's a Valentino, but I'm open. You're open. Okay, cool. Um, And uh, Tammy, aside from our uh, Broadway listeners, we do have a lot of uh, uh, daytime television fans who listen to our show. Can you talk a bit about your time on, on Guiding Light? It was great. I I was scared. I was fresh out of the box. I hadn't done anything professionally except for a few commercials. So um, I I landed Guiding Light, actually pretending to be my 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 boyfriend, my, the love of my life. Uh, he was this cool, confident guy, and and I just went in as him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I booked the job, Drew Jacobs. Um, I worked with great people on that show, Patty Darbin still. Uh, she played my mom. And I, Lisa Brown, who was an actress on the show, actually became our acting coach. And she taught me everything I know. Uh, she, she started with my emotions, and which were raw and real, and she developed me into a, a pretty good actress that was able to book the Judy Garland um movie right after that job was over so Guiding Light meant so much to me and it still does I'm so upset that the soap operas are dying what's going on I don't get it yeah yeah it's a rough time uh it's a rough time and that was the first to go right yeah the longest one they 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 took off first. It's just incredible. And I, the way it slowly you could see it just coming to an end because I was still watching towards the end when they were going outside with the camera and everything. And I was thinking that's not how. But it's a testimony to, like, um, to Guiding Light itself because they really tried. They tried to do something new, do something different, but it just it just couldn't hold on. I mean, I just don't I don't understand it really because it's, People love it. I mean, I I don't know how that happened. Do you? Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I don't. I, probably the reality TV thing and talk shows and stuff. I don't know. Um, but uh, you had just mentioned, Tammy, that you, uh, the, the Judy Garland role. Now, this, is, this was sort of a, uh, this has become a very familiar uh, thing to you because you uh, you played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz in high school, right? And then you won an Emmy. Um for for this role, and that's what uh, everybody knows knows you, one of the things everybody knows you yeah. for. Um, what did that mean to your uh, your career, your life? That that Emmy winning role that you played as you. Oh Judy my Garland? gosh! Every single job that I got after was 
we could um, also tie that to that director or that producer watching me and my shadows, like with Judy Garland. Um, that right now, Craig Zayden and Neil Marin produce that miniseries for television, and they are producing, along with Seth Williams and, and other people, the um, how how to succeed in business without really trying. So these guys are like my angels in life because it's my first dramatic shot out of the box. I got some recognition, and now my first comedic shot. You know, there they are again, helming the way for me, and and I just. That Judy Garland has meant so much to me in my life. I have spent so many nights alone when the the house was crazy and screaming and there was fighting. And I would go in my bed and just sing that song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and it would get me through. And just uh, her vulnerability and yet her you could see her pushing through with courage in every performance she gave. I mean, she just represents everything I've gone through as a child and, and now what I feel as an adult. I just I owe everything to her spirit and to her memory and to that job. I mean it's it's just been a dream come true, really. That's, and I want that's to amazing how this what? one project where with the people you meet along the way, uh are you know, that how in this community are able to guide the rest of your career. So that's that's great that, that came out of that role. Right, and but but believe me, I had to audition. Craig and Neil don't do any favors. <laughs> yeah, we all you have to audition and prove yourself. You know, they want the best of the best for each part, and they really got it. Our our whole cast and our dancers, I mean, they're incredible. They really are the best of the best out there. We are rocking it every single night. There's a standing ovation. People are like a laugh track. It's like, and it's just, it's so amazing. You could feel the energy of the audience just loving it and then walking out and not really wanting to leave. I mean, it's just really, really incredible what's going on out there. At the Al Hirschfield Theater, I mean, come see us. We will totally, totally make your night or your day. No doubt. Sounds like, <laughs> That's a journey. Sounds like you're having the time of your life, are you? I am, I am. It's hard work. You know, I, my body hurts, and I have to start, you know, finding ways to maybe get some massages or something. I don't know, do something for myself. But right now it's just work, work, work. And But as far as, you know, acting, I love acting. It's been my saving grace all my life, and I'm so glad I get to do it six days a week now. I'm so, so thankful. Absolutely. Um <laughs> Tammy, we are going to play a game. We always play on the show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you a list of things. You tell me if they're hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's go. Nope. There we go. Hold on. I'm messing up the theme music. Here. about it. <laughs> but he's a good, how, a little kid. But I mean, to 
me. I don't listen to that music. <laughs> How about Miley Cyrus, Hot or Hot Mess? Hot. My daughter hot. listens to her okay. all the time, Party in the USA. <laughs> I love that song. Do you like that song? I love it. <laughs> um, next up on Hot or Hot Mess, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, Hot or Hot Mess? Hot Mess. Right? I mean, aren't people dying over there or something? I don't know. Uh, people yeah. are falling from stage. I, I, to me, as an actress, it just all sounds very scary to me. I hear you. Um, <laughs> next, what, what do you think about the the fact that there's a new version, though? Do you think they should have just kind of stopped it, or are you okay with the fact that there's a, a new one going up? Oh, good, good. No, you got it. If something doesn't work, you fix it in this business. That's smart, very smart. Okay. Um, from uh, the original Broadway cast of Wicked and Footloose, this is Ben Cameron's Neil Diamond impression. And girl, you'll be a woman soon. Is that's that hot. hot or a hot mess? Hot. That's hot. That turns me on. That's oh. very sexy. Who is he? I want him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, ben Cameron. Um, next up on Hot or Hot Mess, this is from Broadway's A Christmas Carol, uh, Jonathan DeMar's Rip Torn impression. Uh, I'm sure when he's in his trailer, he's going to be saying, Somebody else me a martini. Oh, hot mess. Hot, hot mess. Hot mess. What is that? Rip Torn? No good? Scary. Hot mess. Scary. Okay, fair enough. Next up on Hot or Hot Mess. From Les Mis, this is Haviland Stillwell, Sarah Palin impression. But there's a YouTube video um, that was originally aired on autostraddle.com, um, and it was edited by Reese, who's the editor-in-chief over there. And, uh, yeah, you know, we um, we have all kinds of things. Oh. Hot or hot mess? That's hot. Hot. Any Sarah okay, Palin good. impression is hot. <laughs> You know, you're the second person to give it a hot because most people are unwilling to give it a hot just based on the context of it, just based on who it represents. Oh, give her a break. The woman put herself out there. You know, I, I, hey, anybody who's willing to stand up at a podium and talk is like, give her a break. <laughs> Fair enough. And last up on Hot or Hot Mess, this is... Uh, rap pioneer Biz Marquee beatboxing on Blazing Right. Like that and make it happen and, and just open himself up to the world and his whole story. That's 
That takes guts, man. And you can kind of relate to that, too, based on what you were saying before about I'm trying. your upbringing. And your you know, I'm really trying. <laughs> I never do publicity. I haven't done it all my life. I said, no, 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 I'll wait till the time is right. And But now I just want people to know a little bit about who I am and Maybe one day if I finally get my name out there in a big way and start making some big, big movies and I'll be able to tackle some issues that I've dealt with in life and make a difference, you know? But this is a start. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that you're, uh, uh, for a lot of our listeners, your name is out there in a big, big way already. So um, here's to you for that. And I know that uh, we're going to be watching on uh, on Sunday, uh, June 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS, watching the Tonys. And best of luck to you, Tammy. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Love what you do, because I do. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Love what you do, too. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Tammy Blanchard, that was great. So Tammy Blanchard and uh, Jarrett Reddick on today's program. I'm going to leave you uh, with a Bowling for Soup song from their current album. And uh, I can see no better way of ending the show than by saying, uh, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And lastly, somebody owes me a martini.
Tom Getter Slack. Cupcakes and Range Rovers. 